Hi, how you doing? Welcome to my podcast, A Design for Life. How to survive and thrive at life. My name's Phil Mears, entrepreneur, mindset coach, and I want to share with you my life lessons and how I learned to survive some unbelievable life traumas. But also, from that, I designed a successful life for myself. I'll also share with you my harrowing backstory and how I can help you with not just the big life-affirming challenges and changes you want to make to your life, but also the little everyday challenges when you're feeling a little bit disorientated and you maybe need a little bit of a boost to get you going again. This podcast is where you'll discover my secrets of how to apply a positive mindset to uplift your life when you're feeling a bit stuck, maybe don't know which way to turn. And you will be able to thrive in ways you've never before imagined and perhaps start living the best life you can. I'm excited to have you with me here, so thanks for tuning in. Hi guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of my podcast, A Design for Life, with me, Phil Mears. It's great to have you back here, and I'm just really glad to be doing this because... It's helping me enormously and I hope that maybe some of you guys are getting a little bit of something out of it that can maybe give you an opportunity to reframe, rethink some of the issues that you might have been having and maybe just a little bit of inspiration for you to do something about it and design your own life and start living the life you deserve. And this week, we're going to do a little bit of a dive into a subject that I find is very emotive, certainly for me, because I've had issues with this. And often I find when I'm coaching people that we do a deep dive into unresolved issues that they have now with childhood bullying. Now, just mentioning that. I can feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing up because I know what it means to me. And if you've suffered childhood bullying and you now are living an adult life that you think might not be quite the way you want it to be, or even if it is quite the way you want it to be, but there may be unresolved issues that you are carrying around, just hearing that headline title, childhood bullying, could maybe have the same effect on you. The hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you think, oh my God, yeah, shit, that was an awful time. Well, if you've had experiences with that, then this episode is for you because I'm going to do a little bit of a dive into it. I'm going to give you a benefit, if you like, if you can call it a benefit, but certainly I'm going to give you a little bit of a share of my backstory. Now, the kind of effects that I see that people suffer from as a result of unresolved issues with childhood bullying, are things like low self-esteem and self-worth, anxiety and depression, trust issues, behavioural and social difficulties, and even physical health problems. Now, in today's world, there's an abundance of support for bullied children, with schools now having to have a behaviour policy by law with measures to prevent all forms of bullying. And yet, nevertheless, it still happens. But what about those of us that suffered many years ago as a kid and had little or no help when bullying was seen as part of growing up? Pretty much, in my experience, this is what I believe. Every single child that grew up in the 70s and 80s either got bullied or witnessed it. And so many adults are today suffering as a result of past childhood bullying with subconscious issues showing up for them in all parts of their lives. There are many people who, like me, convince themselves that we've made peace with our past, only for these issues to resurface 
when we become parents ourselves and fearful for our own child's safety. And it feels like sometimes it will consume us. I know that I've been there. So what can be done so that we can function on a day-to-day basis with confidence, self-belief and form strong relationships? In this episode, I'm going to take a bit of a dive into the experience I suffered as a result of my own prolonged childhood bullying. And I'm going to share with you some of the tips and tricks and strategies that I've used to enable me to not only survive it, but thrive and live my best life. And if it helps one or two of you out there feel a little bit better about yourself, then hopefully you can move forward with greater strength and my time here won't have been wasted. So my earliest memories of being bullied come from my mother who rejected me outwardly. She resented me and she seemed to take every opportunity to humiliate me and put me down to the extent that by the time I started school, I was very withdrawn. I was introverted and shy and constantly afraid of getting into trouble in case I inflamed her anger towards me. As a small child, you have an acute understanding of fear and a healthy awareness of fear can keep you safe from harm. However, I felt I was perpetually in a state of fear. Fear of saying or doing the wrong thing to incite my mother's wrath and anger towards me. And as such, I projected this when I started school. The feeling of anxiety is probably too sophisticated a concept for you when you're very young, but I was without doubt an anxious child. This, I believe, came from my home life and shaped my persona as a victim having been indoctrinated with the feeling of constantly being only one moment away from attracting the wrong kind of attention. And of course, in school, kids being kids, they sense this vulnerability. And as a result, I was bullied, or as we called it in the 70s, picked on. Now, infant school was my first experience of socialising with other kids my age, and I really struggled to form relationships with the other children. In fact, I still feel awkward and uncomfortable today making new relationships, and it does take me quite a while to let people in and to outwardly get to know people. At school, I would feel isolated and lonely, and when I got home, I'd be fearful of the violence meted out by my father towards my mother and I. And then my mother would take her frustrations out on me. And in my efforts to find some respite from home life, from the age of three, I would scale the fence at the bottom of our garden and wander off. And I'd often be brought back by a neighbour, much to the surprise of my parents who had no idea I was even gone. I remember that the bottom of the garden, there was what felt like a massive field of nettles, all of which were the same height as me. But I'd find a stick and I'd chop down the nettles and I'd find a path through them and scale the fence and I would be off. And even though I knew that running away would earn me a, as my mother used to call it, good hiding, It never stopped me from running away. So I was obviously exerting some kind of desire to escape from home from a very early age. The physical bullying I suffered as a child was the least traumatic for me. I'd experienced violence from a young age and I knew that physical pain subsides, whereas verbal bullying in its many forms permeates your mind and can stay with you long after the initial sting's worn off. That sense of 
humiliation and isolation. Believing you're the only one in the world going through this nightmare is traumatic to the point that adults can still feel the acute effects of this years later. My father understood this. When he wanted to punish me as a child, he'd ask me, would I prefer a beating or to spend the rest of the day in my bedroom? Now, if I was sent to the bedroom, I was only allowed to sit on my bed. I wasn't allowed to indulge in any activity. So I would have to sit there and stare at my bedroom wall for hours on end. If, as I did once, start to play with toys or draw and I was caught, I'd suffer a beating anyway and my isolation period would be extended. So it would be preferable to choose the beating because once it was done, my father's anger would subside. And it was, as far as he was concerned with, the matter was closed. My mother was different, however. She would beat me, but she'd also then go on to ignore me, talking to my brother and my father, but not me. If she did have to speak to me, maybe to tell me to sit at the table for food or do something, anything, she'd use this kind of stern, harsh tone of voice, and she'd only be monosyllabic. And this could go on for hours, or sometimes even days. Her having an almost sing-song voice for my younger brother, or a tempered voice for my father, and then this spiteful, malicious, resentful tone for me. Despite school holding many fears for me and my ever-present anxiety, I did feel at least that it was somewhere where it wasn't all bad. And eventually I did make friends at school. And just as it is for me today, they would be few and far between, but there'd be a deep connection with them. So over a period of time, usually months, I would feel that I was establishing a workable school life, capable of living with the bullying because my friendships added a balance to life. And in these early years, I'd not look forward to school, like so many children, but I did at least feel settled. And it was at this point things would start to change dramatically and traumatically at home. The violence between my parents would be constant as my father was a very angry man. Not through drink, just because that was his way. However, it would get to a point that my mother would decide to leave the home and she would take my younger brother and I with no notice, often in the middle of the night and without a plan or a destination in mind and with very few belongings, we would have to leave the home with just what we could carry. And one day... We'd be living life as I saw it as normal. Um, and then, such as it was, the next day I'd find myself in an unfamiliar town, miles away from home and the environment that I was at least familiar with. My fear and anxiety would resurface to levels I thought I would never experience again because everything and everyone that I felt gave me any kind of comfort had suddenly gone and been left behind. I'd then have to begin this cycle of starting school again in a new town, living in a new house. Often these were somebody else's house. People who would volunteer to offer a room for families with nowhere else to live or temporary accommodation organised by social services. And as I said, because we'd left the house in the middle of the night, we'd have very few belongings and that meant very few clothes. And of course, when you go to school and your clothes are a little bit, shall we say, limited, you get bullied and targeted for it. 
The bullying at my new school would then begin again because I was the new boy and I clearly projected a victim persona and a vulnerability because I was afraid of attracting the wrong kind of attention from the wrong children. And as such, I'd keep myself away from everyone, which, of course, would only serve to attract the attentions of the wrong element at school. Bullying would not always be just physical, it would be verbal and emotional too. Once the bullies had singled me out as their victim, I'd be pretty much excluded by the other children. Nobody wanted to be associated with me, perhaps for fear of attracting the wrong attention, but also I think that when you're introverted and buttoned up tight, as I was, so much so that nobody can get to know you, that nobody bothers to. Why would they? So once again, I'd find myself isolated at school and thoroughly miserable at home. But again, as time passed, I would find a workable way of life, forming a couple of good friendships. And whilst the bullying at school would reduce somewhat without ever completely disappearing, I'd find school life tolerable. At home, however, my mother would be struggling to create any kind of meaningful life for us, having left the security of my father's income and her frustrations would build and inevitably be vented in my direction. But significantly, the impact of this frustration would lead her to make a decision that would completely disrupt my life again in a traumatic way. Unable to cope with the pressures of being a single mother, she'd returned to my father, who would have moved house by now. So we would move once again. And again, I would find myself in a new area, totally unfamiliar to me. And of course, I would start a new school. And so the cycle would begin again. This cycle would be repeated 13 times before I left school. And each time I would feel as though I'd lost another chunk of myself. My self-loathing, by the time I was 16, was so deeply ingrained within me, I lacked any confidence at all. I was socially awkward and my anxiety was soaring. My behaviour, confusingly, was impeccable though. I was a very well-behaved child. And I say confusingly because many children that have suffered my kind of experiences often have behavioural issues. But I'd withdrawn into this fearful practice of trying to be good all the time, just so I didn't attract anybody's disapproval. And all through my childhood, my mother's contempt for me never receded. As a young boy, she would leave canes around the house in plain sight so that she always had one to hand with which to beat me without having to leave the room. If I came home from school with my clothes dirty or ripped as a result of a bullying incident at school, she'd beat me as a punishment for making work for her. If her mood darkened, either through drink or not, she would beat me. I believe that my desire to get away from family life at the earliest opportunity was shaped in my formative years. And I remember being consciously aware by the age of six that I wanted to join the Navy, which felt to me about as far away from home life as you could get. And I would tell anybody that asked me what I was going to do when I grow up was to join the Navy. And throughout my disrupted and chaotic childhood, I always managed to maintain this same aspiration, more likely because of it, I suppose. And at the age of 15, I decided I was going to join the Royal Marines, which would be my eventual escape 
not just from this toxic environment of home life, but from this virtual prison of my own self-loathing. I joined up at the age of 17 and my confidence and self-esteem grew as I began to experience for the first time in my life a sense of pride in myself. No longer would I stand for any kind of bullying, physical, mental or emotional. And I became more socially confident and I accrued a large circle of friends. And in some ways, no, not in some ways, in a definitive way, I found a new family. But most importantly, from all of this, I had respect for myself and for others. And without doubt, the Marines saved my life. And the lessons I learned from my experiences have served me ever since. Now, not everybody that's been bullied in childhood has the benefit of this kind of reboot. In fact, when it comes to a reboot, it's far from what I would recommend <laughs> to anybody. But somehow you need to un understand and manage your experiences from your childhood so that you can thrive in adulthood. And although I had that experience of joining the forces, my issues still affect me from time to time and I have to be mindful of them and I have to manage them. The kind of lasting effects I see in people with these experiences are physical and mental health challenges. And again, zero self-esteem and an inability to form and maintain meaningful relationships. Beyond this, what is there? If you have physical and mental challenges, zero self-esteem and you can't maintain a meaningful relationship, well, what else is there to life? It accounts for pretty much every aspect of an adult's life. Many people are walking around with this sense of not being present and in control of their life. Like somebody's always pulling your strings. Occasionally you might feel that you're driving your life in a positive direction, but something triggers long since buried feelings, which resurface and proceed to throw a grenade into your seemingly conventional life fragmenting in all directions and fucking everything up for not just yourself but for everyone around you. Old anxieties show up. You become fearful about the future, insecurity about your abilities to manage it. You might become withdrawn and isolate yourselves and run the risk of turning to alcohol or substance abuse as a means of blocking out these realities. After all, that'd be understandable, wouldn't it? Or it might be not quite that extreme. Maybe the demons might be a little more low level, permeating work life, stunting any progression though of consistency or struggles with reliability or competency through low self-esteem. Your ego may be in charge and affect every decision made, which of course is not a rational way to behave and doesn't invoke any trust in you from others. Now, while we're on the subject of trust, this can be a big issue in relationships for people with trauma from childhood bullying. The fear of committing yourselves fully to a relationship, believing that you will only get let down or the partner will let you down. There are, however, strategies that I employ, and I believe so could you, to help manage some of these effects, allowing you to not only survive, but also thrive. And the first place I always recommend starting is to acknowledge and accept the effects this past bullying is having on you now, years later. It's not a sign of weakness to do so. To think that is you bullying yourself all over again, so don't. Recognise the effects 
I appreciate that can be difficult, but I recommend that after you feel you've behaved in a particular way that makes you feel uncomfortable, make some time for a private meditation. Just 10 minutes in a quiet, safe space, alone with yourself and your thoughts, just to let it run through, can enable you to see things in a way you might not have done before. But for the purposes of this exercise, we're not looking for solutions here, just for recognition that you are still being affected by what happened to you. Now, another powerful tool is forgiveness. It's powerful for letting go of the pain that may still cause you or the pain you're still feeling as a result of this bullying. Now, forgiveness. Forgive the perpetrators, but don't ever forget. Years after I'd left school, I met a guy at an event that bullied me at school. He was one of those who bullied me as part of a group. He wasn't the leader of the group, but he was very vocal and very active towards me. And by now we were in our 20s, but I recognised him straight away and he recognised me. So, of course, I was a different person now. I'd had my military experience and despite now being in a wheelchair, I still maintained a sense of self-confidence I didn't possess back when I was at school. Nevertheless, he came over and he began talking to me as though we were old friends from school. And this carried on for a little while and I actually found him quite good company. And we got on quite well. However, after a while, I just felt I had to shine some light on what I felt was the elephant in the room. And I sort of reminded him in a sort of very kind of light-hearted way that he'd made my life fucking hell at school. I wasn't sure how he was going to respond, but I was ready for any eventuality. But he, he looked down at his shoes and he was very sheepish and looked embarrassed. He took ownership of what he'd done and he proceeded to apologise. And he even said that if I didn't want to talk to him, he'd walk away straight away. And I found this response very powerful. And it helped me exercise a lot of ghosts that I carried around with me. And whilst we didn't become best buddies, we'd have a laugh and a joke together whenever our paths crossed, often in pubs. But the lesson I learned from this experience is forgiveness. Letting go of this shit is huge and a powerful release. What's important, however, is to do so without blame. Not towards them or ourselves. There is nothing but further stress, anxiety and negative self-talk down that road and further harm. And you've had plenty of that, let's face it. Build self-esteem. This is another one. You've got to build your self-esteem because if you don't feel good or proud or capable of yourself or in yourself, then what is there for you? You may not have self-esteem. You may have low self-esteem. Maybe your self-esteem's never recovered since your childhood or you feel you never had any to start with. Now is the time to build some. And I know it's a flippant statement to do so, but there are things that you can do. There are strategies you can employ. And here is my experience of this. So first one is engage in activities that make you feel good about yourself, such as a hobby or an interest. Now, if you're not a hobby kind of person, and I'm not really, I have to force myself to engage in a hobby. Sure, I can watch sport quite easily, but... Engaging in something that becomes a passion takes a bit of effort for me. But what I do is I turn to upcycling furniture now. I find it very therapeutic and it helps to clear my mind. Very subconscious level. 
I will just go to my garage, I get my tools out, I'll have a piece of furniture to go to, whatever it is, and I restore it. I bring it back to life, I paint it, and I just enjoy that. I'll have some music on, a podcast, something like that, and I will just spend my time just chilling out. And it's great for clearing the mind. Another great way for building your self-esteem, this is fantastic, and I'll never ever stop or tire of recommending this volunteering it's so good for your self-esteem now i'm involved with an incredible charity called andy's man club which is a peer-to-peer self-help group for men where you encourage other guys to just talk about whatever it is they want to talk about unload your mental burdens in a safe non-judgmental environment in encouraging guys to just walk or in my case push through the door And just be present without the pressure to talk unless you really want to. But the value I get from being involved is amazing. And I feel good about myself for being involved. I also know someone who's a big cat fan. And as a means of coping with their depression, they volunteer at a cat's home charity. And they too have helped themselves out of depression. They were suffering terribly with it. The benevolent act of being involved with something that is a passion of theirs just takes them out of themselves. It provides a distraction. And what it does is it takes you out of yourselves and it fills the void with something positive that helps you feel good about yourself. And if that isn't self-esteem, I don't know what is. So maybe think about somewhere where you can make a difference to someone else's life and you will fill up your self-esteem cup at the same time. When I think back to those lonely times at school, when I was isolated and scared, I've considered many times, what would I tell my younger self now based on my experiences of life? And I've come up with five important points for survival. One, don't stop trying to make friends. Say hello to the other kids. Even if you feel nervous, be brave. Show no fear, even if you feel it. If they reject you, move on to someone else. Eventually, you will make friends. Number two, ask them about themselves. What are their interests? Football teams, hobbies. If you're new to the area, what do they do at weekends? Anything to start a conversation based on your interest in them. Number three, Do not allow the verbal and emotional bullying into your mind. The perpetrators are the ones with the problem. Don't get infected by their virus. Nothing they have to say matters. Number four, if you're being physically bullied, fight back with all your passion. Let them know that whilst you may not beat them, they will not enjoy the experience of winning. Fighting back is hard. Being a victim is hard. Choose your hard according to the person you want to be. And number five, here's the gem. This is the big secret about fear. Everybody feels it. The big boys that bully you are scared. The smaller boys that say the most horrible things to you, they're scared. And the girls who belittle you and make you feel ashamed, they are scared. They're all scared and they hide their fear behind the things they do to you. So be brave today, show your courage and your fear will never control you again like it does them. 
What I've shared with you here is just a, a snapshot of my experience of childhood bullying and the effects of it, both at the time and the traumas that we can easily carry into adulthood, permeating all aspects of our lives. Now, it's by no means a comprehensive list of effects and solutions. As I've said, these are varied, but rather a way of illustrating that I know and understand some of the things that you may be going through because I've been through them too. But I survived and I've thrived and so can you. So there is a way of designing a life for ourselves, attempting to minimise the baggage from our past, which is what we have to do, even if it doesn't always work. Carrying the baggage around with us is hard. The work involved in offloading the baggage is hard. Choose your hard. I hate to think of anyone out there being held back from an amazing life just because of something that happened to them many years ago. It's not acceptable. Start today by giving yourself a little recognition and forgiveness for you and the protagonists from way back when. Then get out. Do something for others. Build yourself up in a way you could never have imagined previously. You can show that you value yourself and that you value other people. You are valued, you're stronger than the child you once were, and you have what it takes to thrive. So get out there and thrive. Start in action. These are just simple ways. These aren't the, all the solutions. This is just somewhere to start. But you must take the action. Words and thoughts climb no ladders, but if I can do it, so can you. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to be continuing the theme of bullying and looking at being bullied in adult life and how to deal with the mind bullies that plague your thoughts and hold you back. So join me next time. Let's create this amazing design for life. Thanks for being here, guys. and Take care till then. Thanks for listening to my podcast, guys. I really appreciate your company. And I hope you got something from this episode that can help you with your life. If you did, then click subscribe because I've got so much more to share with you and I don't want you to miss a thing. Also, why not bring your friends on the journey and share this podcast with them? You can post feedback in the comments section. I'd love to hear what you've got to say. Or you can get in touch with me direct by visiting my website at designforlifecoaching.com. Especially if you're struggling at the moment and you need a lift. In the meantime, stay safe guys and I look forward to catching up with you soon.